So this Sunday is the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete Sunday, the Sunday of Joy, uh, represented by the colour rose. Very good, very good. Or by the colour rose. Uh, so, and it's, it's a Sunday in which we remember that what we're expecting here, what we're preparing for at this time of the year, right, isn't just yet another liturgical season, yet another liturgical feast or whatever, whatever it may be. This is something very... The word important doesn't even come close to being big enough. <laughs> this is crucial. This is the crux of the human history. Everything hangs on this, okay? Jesus becomes man, and because then he becomes man, he's able to die on a cross and open heaven for us. Like, this cannot happen without th these events that, that, that are occurring now, right? So Our Lady says, yes, because of that, Jesus can be born. Because of that, he can die on a cross. So ev everything, this is the crux of human history, so the, the creation of the universe, all of it depends on, 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 this, on this moment, on this action, on this series of events uh, known, as, known as salvation. Right? So this is absolutely incredible. So this is something that should fill us with joy. You know, we should be joyful thinking about this. We should be very, very joyful. And <coughs> I was thinking today that maybe, maybe it's just me. I didn't wake up so joyful this morning. Um, so I was thinking, this is a really, really bad day to be preaching about joy because it's not something that's coming very naturally to me, right? Uh, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Today is one of the days it doesn't. Uh, and I was just thinking, you see, maybe, maybe, this, maybe this is kind of providential because when we think about joy in the faith, we also have to be kind of realistic that joy doesn't mean that everything is going to be plain sailing. It doesn't mean that the cross won't be present. So <clears throat> that's why maybe this is typically kind of the way I see things, see things as well. I think it's nice that the, the faith is, is child-friendly, but I think it also has to be adult-relevant. You know what I mean? We have to actually get to the point as well where for adults, this stuff has, has meaning for my real life. Like I just got a message this morning from <clears throat> three different friends talking about this one girl, uh, Grace Armstrong, who's a 10-year-old who has had a brain bleed just last night and was rushed airlifted to hospital to come in this morning. So these are kind of, like, reality, reality can be quite sad. Reality can be quite difficult. So how do we, how do we hold on to this, this joy amidst the reality of what goes on? Because we, we do have, we have to be realistic, like, you know, so, so it's not like, you know, we come here and everything is fine and we're all, we'll just skip our merry little way to heaven and then voila, done. That's just not life, you know? So I was thinking, <clears throat> how, how do we tie this in? How do we tie in this kind of joy and realism at the same time? Because we have to, otherwise we're just naive, right? <clears throat> and I was thinking, uh, I just remembered my brother-in-law, uh, he was talking about the birth of, um, so my first niece, the first grandchild, the first, depending on who you are in the family, first grandchild or first niece or first daughter. Uh, and so there was a monitor on my sister, Norma, and then once little Amy was out far enough, there was a wee monitor on her head. And we're not going into the details. I don't know. Don't care. Uh, so, right. And then, so Aid, my brother-in-law, was outside the room, right? So he could hear the various beeps, right? So Norma's heart rate is up to, I don't know, whatever. Fast. Whatever. 160, is that fast? Is that dead? <laughs> I don't know. Really fast. And the baby's is going 90, not literally. Uh, it's just very, very, I think baby's, heart, baby's heartbeat beat is very, very fast during the thing. Okay, great. So there we go, and all is going well. So he can hear outside, beep, 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 beep. And the, other, and the other one going, beep, 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 beep. And then all of a sudden, he just hears two flat lines. Beep. 
beep, and he's outside the room not knowing exactly what happened, but think that I've just lost them both. And you can just imagine, like, how, how did this happen? We went from, like, nine months of expectation and joy, and now, and now, now it's all gone? Now everything, what? Like, just what would go through your head in those moments, you know? And then, so then the, the nurse comes out, and, and, like, he's just gaunt, slightly weak and pale. And she says, yeah, we just took the monitors off. Everything is okay. <laughs> and, and then he goes, and there's bouncing little baby Amy, somewhat moist. Uh, but joy. The joy of life in the, the pain of childbirth, if you will. So you've got this kind of joy and, and pain, kind of mixed. You've got joy and, and sacrifice. Like if you look at real life, and like you'll, you'll, in comparison to this now, you'll, you'll, you'll excuse the horrific analogy. But um, I remember Henry Shefflin, when he was <laughs> talking about about, he was commenting uh, on a particular All-Ireland, and he said, that, you know, you can just see, like, the, there's not the same fight in them that there was. He said, you know, if you want to win All-Irelands, it takes two things, heart and hurt. Heart and hurt. You have to want it more than the other team, and you have to be willing to put your body on the line and your face on the line, and you stop that ball with anything you have. Hit me there, boom. I don't care, I will stop this ball because I want to win, and I want to win it more than you. Heart and hurt. And I just thought it's actually a kind of a strangely apt analogy for life, <laughs> you know? Like, that, what, what gets us through life? Well, heart and hurt. You know, you have to push on through adversity and through difficulties and through the, the rocky patches in a marriage in order to experience the joy of reconciliation. You have to push on in, in our spiritual lives. You push on through those arid seasons, those dry seasons, maybe those kind of seasons where, where addiction or, or, or sin seems to be getting the upper hand, and you push on through, and you fight on through in order to experience forgiveness and that oneness again with the Lord. But we, we can't stop. We can't give up every time there's some sort of adversity or cross or difficulty. You, 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 if you do, then you just stay stuck down in that mud, and you never learn what you were. You, you never learn what the darkness of the difficulty was supposed to teach you. Because those moments aren't when God has forgotten you. They're moments when we can learn to be joyful in sacrifice, joyful in sorrow, joyful on the cross. And that's when virtue really starts to take off. Because it's easy to be joyful when everything is good. It's easy to be virtuous when everything is exactly as you want it. It is not easy to be virtuous when things are kind of crumbling around you. But that's when we learn. That's when we grow. And only then. You know, for those who do weight training, that, that's you, you, weight training, if you keep lifting 5 kgs, kind of trying to impress yourself, look at this, 5 kgs. <laughs> Don't mind that. It's more like 5 kgs. Like, you know, you have to go up to 5, and then you're up to 10. Okay, and once you can do 10, now you have to up it to 12. And then, like, I can't get the last one, I can't get the last two. Yeah, well, that's called weightlifting. You know, I mean, you, you have to actually be maxing out. You have to get to the point where you fail. You know, you have to actually, so if, you're doing pro, if you're doing weightlifting properly, you have to continuously, every time you do a practice session, a training session, you have to fail. Otherwise, you're not lifting at your limit, and therefore, you're not going to grow. The last rep, the last lift, you should not be able to make it. Otherwise, you're not lifting heavy enough. If you're, if, if you're doing weightlifting for weight loss, that's a very different thing. Not going into it. Not a training coach. I'll talk to you afterwards. <laughs> 40 euro an hour. Uh, okay. So we, ha we have to be kind of sort of lifting or living 
at our limit. And that's how we grow. It's how we grow in virtue. And it's hard. There's a, an Australian, you might have seen or heard of him. Well, there's two. One, Ezekiel, in our community. We like him. But he's not the one I'm, ta- he's not the one I'm talking about today. Um, there's a guy called Nick Wojcic, right? And for some unknown reason, <clears throat> they don't exactly know why, he was born without arms and legs. So there was no, like, it's like you know, sometimes these things can happen if, if, if there's gen- genetic complications or someone is on drugs, you know, whatever. There was no good reason. But there he born healthy, but no arms and legs. And <laughs> you can't fix that. You can't fix it. You can't improve that. All he has is what he calls his little chicken drumstick. It's kind of the stub of a wee legging out one side. It's about, it looks about the size of a decent chicken drumstick. And that's it. That's, that's the, the closest thing he has to a limb. And in his own testimony, he talks about just struggling with this and looking at his brothers and sisters playing football. They call it footy. Um, or swimming. And he said, I will never do any of this. Just watch, he just has to watch everyone else live their lives. I will never do any of this. And so one day, I think he was, he, was, he was young, he was under 10, in the bath he decides to roll over face down and just end it all. And as he, as he lay there, so only a couple of seconds underwater, he eventually comes up and gasps and says, I can't even do this. So I have to decide, am I going to live or am I going to die? And so he starts to, he gets, he gets very much into his faith and discovers what he calls life without limits. So he learns to play golf. So he uses his shoulder and his shin and then dunk. And he's not great, like, but, <laughs> but, but he learns to play golf. He can putt. Uh, there's a, a very funny video of him in the goals, and he's the goalkeeper. So, so that, you know, a ball comes in, bounces past him, he says, I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> and he realized that, that people listened to him. When he would talk about life, when he would talk about God, when he would talk about faith, people found him very, very credible because of, of these limitations, right? Because you should be angry at God. You should be annoyed at God that you don't have arms and legs. Like, this wasn't, as I say, there's just, you're just born that way. There's, it's no person's fault. You're just born that way. So surely then it's God's fault, right? And he said, no, I love my life. He learned to swim. He got married actually to a very, very attractive girl. And they have, I've lost count now. Well, just, the last time I checked, it, I think it was two or three kids. There's probably more by now. But married and happy out. And he started this preaching and teaching ministry. So he gets up on his, on his wee table and he's got a, a microphone and a little bit of a, a drum kit which he plays on his, with his drumstick. Uh, and he, he you know, he, he, like to, to crowds, huge crowds of people, he says, do you not see the irony? Do you not see the, the, the divine wisdom in the fact that I who have no arms and legs am called to be Jesus' hands and feet? to go out into the world and make him known and loved and to do for the Lord what I physically don't have but yet can do despite my limitations and 
you know, it's just it's such such a powerful witness, such an absolutely powerful witness that with the Lord we can overcome all obstacles. And this this is the source of our joy. This is where it comes from. Our joy does not come from having everything in its rightful place and they're having everything organized and ordered and everything clean and perfect and everything that's not what brings happiness what brings happiness is this relationship with the Lord because then if difficulties come our way our life doesn't fall apart it, the, the crosses still remain crosses they're still difficult but we never lose hope and we never lose this deep seated joy that better days will come even if those better days are heaven, they will come. They will come. So our joy, it's, it's, it's firmly rooted. It's, it's a deep thing. It's not a fleeting thing, and it's not an emotion. It's a, it's a knowledge. It's an awareness that with God I lack nothing. And that's why St. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, which we read today, <clears throat> he writes this in prison. So you can keep in mind what a, a prison was like then. You know, if you, if you died in prison, no one really cared, right? So you're like damp walls and rats and chains and dungeons and darkness and all of that. And what does he write? I want you to be happy, always happy in the Lord. Again, I say, what I want is your happiness. He wasn't writing because everything was perfect. He was writing because he knew the Lord and that even this then could serve him being bound, changed to a wall. He does mission all around the world, even 2,000 years later. This is, this is how God can work in us and through us. This is how faith works. This is how the faith unbinds us, unshackles us. And so, dear brothers and sisters, today, on this Gaudete Sunday, we ask the good Lord for a profound, renewed joy, a confidence in him, a faith rooted in the Lord so that at all times we might have in our hearts the words of our psalmist. Sing and shout for joy, for great in your midst, great in your life is the Holy One of Israel, Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen.